faith, hope, prosperity. Welcome to the fourth episode of Faith, Hope, and Prosperity, hosted by Austin Green. Today you'll hear from Damien Dayton about seeing the Lord's hand in your life. Damien is a successful entrepreneur and the CEO of Creatively, a video marketing agency. We hope that as you listen, you will receive inspiration from the Spirit for your professional, personal, and spiritual life. In every episode, we interview prosperous members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The goal of the show is to encourage and inspire young adult members of the church. Damien's story today will give you the patience to see good things unfold in your life over time. Brother Dayton's success story is different from others, and you'll probably feel a connection to him as you listen through to the end. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome to the show, uh, Brother Dayton. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. I um, wanted to start by asking if you could give me a little bit of an introduction about, about what you do, where you're at, born and raised, all that stuff. Okay. Uh, my name is Damien Dayton, like you said. Uh, I'm one of the founders and currently the CEO of Creatively, a digital agency and uh, based in Linden, Utah right now. I was also one of the founders of uh, PillarQ and currently also working as the CMO of StairSlide. Um, I was born in Salt Lake, raised in LA. We also lived, spent a few years in Iowa. My father was a surgeon uh, and uh, spent uh, our youth in, well, he was in his residency in LA and his first position was in Iowa City. And then most of my adolescence from then on was in, uh, in Utah. Um, uh, I served a mission in Madrid, Spain, one of the greatest missions in the world. <laughs> and uh, I went after college, I went into production, uh, worked in TV and video production for almost two decades, uh, worked wow. on uh, everything from marketing videos to documentaries and children's television show. I worked on a, a children's television show called Signing Time. Uh, I wrote and directed on two seasons of that show. It was nominated. Uh, for an Emmy at one point for the, the best um, host of a children's television show was um, Rachel Coleman. Uh, and uh, I've been involved in production for a long time and about a decade ago kind of pivoted into entrepreneurship and startups uh, and digital marketing and helping companies grow. Um, so I've also been involved in the marketing of quite a few LDS films from the Cookville Miracle around the marketing on that. Oh, cool. Um, uh, just let go and uh, a few others so okay that is awesome that's cool stuff i didn't know all of that so okay well i guess what piqued my interest immediately from what you said is is this shift from um your career in like film and and production and that stuff to to kind of this entrepreneurism and and whatever so how did you like why why did you change well, you know, my first major shift, I was going to go to medical school. I mean, I know a lot of people say that, like, oh, I was interested in being a doctor. Yeah. But I, I worked at the hospital for a year. I did cancer research for a year. I wow. uh, was pre-med, zoology minor, just a, one credit short of a chemistry minor and had taken the MCATs. My applications were in. Um, and I think that's kind of how we began our conversation. You were asking me about God directing our lives. Yeah. And I said, well, we might have a problem because I don't know that he directs all the details of our life. I think he's involved. I think he cares about us. I think he sees us. But as I was going to go to medical school, I was making this a, an issue of prayer. I had a lot of internal resistance. I didn't really <clears throat> know what the source of that was. Um, and as I went through that process, uh, I remember you know, this is over a period of years. Like I didn't, didn't know I had this kind of disquiet about it, but I didn't feel that kind of confirmation that we hear about and talk about a lot. Um, but I also didn't feel like a negativity or a, a, a cloud of, you know, of confusion. I just didn't really know. And I kind of thought, well, I think God has a vote in what I do. I want to do what he wants me to do, you know? Um, I distinctly remember one experience where I just had the impression I had was, um, what if this is up to you? 
and and um, and after that decision, I realized I didn't really want to be a doctor. I was writing my essays, and I was like, "Why you want to go to this medical school?" And I realized my father was a surgeon, and he loved his job, and I wanted to love my job the way he does. But that wasn't the path that I wanted. And I felt like maybe I had some other talents that I wasn't using if I pursued that. And um, so, yeah, I left the lab and I'm like, I'm going to be a writer. <clears throat> and I spent, you know, good part of a year writing and not writing. And, but all through college, I had worked on, on films. I'd worked on a lot of people's film projects, but it was for fun. Um, but I probably had more student credits than a lot of kids in the filmmaking program. Uh, I worked on a couple projects with Jared Hess, who did, uh, wrote and directed Napoleon Dynamite with his wife, Jerusha. Um, but I was working on a documentary about demolition derbies and I was, uh, did art direction for another film and I helped my brother write his film. And um, So I kind of came back around to doing that. And I had a friend that was working in a production studio. Um, <clears throat> I kind of stumbled into it. Um, and in each of these paths, you know, I could say that my career has taken several forks. And, you know, you know, the phrase, you know, if you want to make God laugh, share your plans with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think he laughs not because he has a different plan in mind from us, but I think he, I think for me, the humor is inherent in thinking that you have control over the future. Um, but what you do have control over is how you step into the future. You know, you have control over how you react to situations and how you act proactively. Um, <laughs> somebody on LinkedIn the other day shared all their, their major accomplishments they had, they had were in pursuit of a goal. And most of my major accomplishments have come while I was in the middle of doing something else. When I was dead set on trying to accomplish a different goal, you know, anyway from the Emmy nomination to... Uh, even working in in the film promotion industry was kind of came by happenstance, but uh, was able to to grow quite a few local films and do really well. And then my opportunity in I was had been working in production, and I just thought, you know, everybody has a camera now. There's different levels of quality, but companies can make their own videos. It's what's inside the videos that really is making a difference. And film production is going to become a commodity. But what isn't a commodity are the strategies that make those videos effective at growing companies. Um, so actually, my cousin had been doing a few viral videos, and he gave me a chance to write um, on a video for Homie, a startup here in Utah. Right. Um, and that was kind of my first experience working in this very unique, specific field. Um, and I think that's where I got the flavor. That my, my years of experience making dad jokes worked with some experience in, in production, um, lined up really nicely. And my experience in market, running the marketing for films, where I had to do everything, a little bit of the social media, a little bit of the ad buying, a little bit, that lined up with understanding the strategy and realizing like, oh, if you can make a commercial interesting, it actually costs less on social media. Whereas if you buy a TV spot, everybody right. pays the same right. Right, but the way people engage on social media, if you create a commercial that's interesting, engaging, more entertaining, and people interact with it more, you pay less to put it in front of more people. And then if it converts on top of that, if it turns into sales, um, then it generates revenue. And so you can reduce your cost and increase your revenue, you can make a business successful. And so um, started serving customers that way, uh, met Jay Davis was the founder of creatively and and he offered me the opportunity to come on board which was great because he had a lot of skills that I don't have and had a team that had a lot of the skills that I don't have and we started working together and uh, grew some com some companies out of Utah really quickly uh, we helped launch gab wireless we helped launch uh, Kizik. Uh, we helped with a lot of homies first campaigns outlet care their, some of their first campaigns, um, Thread Wallets, we just finished a campaign for them. So a lot of these companies out of Utah, we had a hand in, and that made us kind of start thinking, oh, maybe we should start some of our own as well. Um, and so we have, and they've been pretty successful. Okay, so there was a lot of information there, but basically 
to start it out, right? You said you were at what what college were you attending, by the way? I went to BYU. Okay. The BYU. Yeah. Right. So you were in Provo at BYU and you're uh-huh. you're planning to go into med school, right? Yeah. So I been- right before that, right at the brink, you're like, you know. I don't really want to. Was that kind of a hard decision? I feel like that would be really. Oh yeah, that was like that was a question of years. Yeah, you know, like why is it taking me so long to? I put off the MCAT for a year. I put off my applications for a year. That would just be I'm a procrastinator by nature, (laughs) and and I was like, what's behind this? Why is there this internal resistance? I'm like, this this is where my life was headed. I entered school with this in mind, and this is where I was going. Why is why am I having a hard time taking this next step? Um, and I don't think at any point did I hear a whisper telling me what I should do, but what I did feel is this decision is yours to make. And I think sometimes when we talk about having a plan of salvation, I think we talk about God having a plan for us. I think he has a plan for where he wants us to end up. And I think there's a plan for how he wants us to behave on our way there. Um, and experiences he wants us to have. I am not so sure that he has each of the steps we're going to take along the way there and how we're going to get there. He cares that I'm a good man I'm on, and I'm honest or that I'm trying to be honest and I'm trying to be a good man. And he cares about how I treat others. Um, but, whether, you know, if you look at where he found his apostles, he, you know, some were fishermen, some were tax collectors, some were doctors. And, um, and I think how you approach those experiences you can learn and then apply those to uh, you know an overall gospel doctor uh, doctrinally based um view of the world you know i hope i approach how i do things with love i hope i've learned a lot about serving others even though it's might be serving clients um i think about products ultimately like are these is this good for this world are these good for people um and, and so I think he cares more about that than which specific de- direction I take. But I think he's also put a lot of people in my path who have helped nudge me in different directions. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that. The, the people that he's put in your path, when, when have you experienced that where you feel like it was really someone from God? Oh, I don't think I don't think I thought thought of him as like, oh, this is somebody that God sent to nudge me in my trap. But maybe I, I in think, hindsight, right? I think, if, yeah, in hindsight, I look back at at people that I loved and people were, that were wise, and that as I was considering a decision over the other, I'm like, well, think about this: you t- take this job and you'll end up with six months more experience, you know, and you don't have to choose the rest of your life, you know. And that was my brother that said that, and. Uh, one point I spent some time talking with a therapist and he gave me some good advice. Like, well, why don't you make a list of all the things you would like to do? And I do think for me, there was a guiding principle that I think we all come to earth with certain talents that are unique to us. And some of them have been developed more than others. And and we all also come to earth with certain weaknesses. And I believe that in some ways, well, I believe that we, I, I have kind of tried to look at those. I'm like, well, am I going to use the talents that are unique to me in this job? The skills that I have that make me special and, and different, do I get to use those and develop those more? Um, I think a lot of us make a mistake thinking like, oh, I need to work on my weaknesses. So I'm going to take a job in that field. And I think that's a good way to be unhappy. Um, you know, I'm kind of a scatterbrained and unorganized guy. And so I surround my people, myself with people who are organized. Um, and, but that also gives me empathy for other unorganized people. And I think in a lot of ways also, our weaknesses are our strengths and our strengths are also our weaknesses, you know? <clears throat> so you might be driven and that will help you accomplish a lot, but it might also make you blind to the needs of people around you. And. Uh, one of my weaknesses I deal with is depression, but it's also a strength of mine because I think, I think it gives me a sensitivity to other people's sadness and understanding something that they're going through. So I think about that as a, as a superhero. So, um, as a, excuse me, not as a superhero, but as a superpower. Sorry, I was just distracted by somebody in the office. Oh, you're good. So I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So 
I think that was an interesting philosophy, though, is instead of focusing on trying, just trying to overcome your weaknesses or whatever, right? We need to do that, too. That's part of this life. But choose to do something that you're good at and you'll be happier. I know, like, I, I always think about it, like, you're not happy when you're doing something that you suck at. Like, you just aren't. It's so hard to enjoy it. And so surrounding yourself by people who kind of fill in those gaps, I'm sure, has been has been really good for, for you, for business, for life, everything, right? Yeah, sure. And, and sure, I, I want to be improving on everything. You know, I want to get better at being organized with my life, let's say. Um, but I found that we make far more progress in life by focusing on what we already have a little bit of an edge at and sharpening that edge. Um, and kind of partially trusting in the grace of God to fill in our gaps, um, but also filling in, trusting in our community and the people around us. But, you know, for, <clears throat> I'm not a fitness freak and I don't like to get up in the mornings. And if I spent my whole life just like, why am I not good at getting up in the morning? I would forget, I would lose all the great evenings of creativity that I've had. And um, I would lose, I'd spend so much time, time trying to be the person I'm not that I wouldn't get to cultivate being the person that I am, you know? And as a kid, while everybody was out at recess playing football, I wanted to draw ninjas. And I could have spent my life trying to be a bad football player, but the like drawing ninjas is, and developing my creativity is, is what's given me my skills and, and helped me hone my craft, which is not drawing ninjas, but using my imagination and creativity um, to do other things, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a cool metaphor. Cause I feel like a lot of us are probably out here trying to be the best football players when we could really just be drawing ninjas, right? <laughs> we've, we've all got those, those gifts and talents. So for you, how did you discover what those talents were? Did you just always know, and you were planning on doing med school because it was just this idea you had had. And so then you already knew how, the direction you wanted to go when you wanted to change, or was that a process? No, it, that actually was really hard. Uh, because some of us have really obvious talents. I did not. Um, uh, I mean, I have brothers that draw. We were all kind of creative, but they were much better artists than I was. Um, but I was really good at math and science. And so my dad was like, hey, this is a great career for you. You know, like I, right. I didn't take home math homework ever in my life because I could do it in class, even in college and just get it done. And it was like, that came naturally to me. I didn't love it as much as I liked telling stories and creating monsters and, you know, that sort of thing. I loved science. And I thought, well, this, what could be more nobler than healing people? Um, but as I was working in the laboratory, I wasn't very happy doing that. And I was like, I wanted to create things. I'm like, if I, and if I become a doctor, I'm not going to be able to create things very often in my free time. I don't, I will spend resting, not creating. Um, and so I think there's a good part of your part of your life that you're going to spend. Um, what's the best way to say it? Struggling against you with yourself and against yourself to know who you are. And the poet Dolly Parton once said, um, "Life is about figuring out who you are than doing it on purpose." And that is a guiding principle for me. But I think there's also there's a corollary in the Book of Mormon and Ether when it says, you know, come into me and I will show men that a weakness and I'm misquoting horribly, you know, and I'll make weak things become strong. Yeah. We all have weaknesses. And I don't think there's nowhere a promise that, that our weaknesses will be removed, but he will make us strong. And I think by being strong in this thing, you don't care so much that I'm not great at this other thing and we can find people to fill it in. But if I don't work on my strength and just work on my weaknesses, I don't really use the gifts that God gave me. Yeah. And I also think some of those might not even be gifts there. You know, we believe a uniquely LDS perspective is that before our spirits existed, there are these intelligences mm -hmm. and there is something unique about us before we had spirits and that will exist into eternity. And by knowing ourselves and learning about ourselves, we want, that's what God wants too, is to cultivate us, you know, 
his work and his glory is to bring about not just our immortality, but our eternal life. And if that eternal life is being the best at who we are, he's not trying to make us all the same. He's trying to cultivate that original intelligence that, that, our, uh, that makes up our, our spirit and our body and our soul that is eternal. And that eternity from a mathematical perspective goes both ways. He's, he's cultivating that unique part of us uh, so it will go into eternity. There's a Lorenzo Snow quote that says, thousands of year hence, we'll find that we are uniquely ourselves and nobody else. <clears throat> Shoot, I'm misquoting it now. But he is essentially saying that, you know, God isn't trying to make us all the same. He's trying to make you more Austin than you've ever been and right. more Damien than I've ever been. Um, and I think a good part of life is, is discovering that, you know, and I think we discover that through service, through working, um, and and through through doing you know we don't do it by wondering and just through meditation so we kind of find it when we're on the move right i've heard that god can't steer a parked car right so then for you it was you kind of just chose something and kind of went with it is that what you're saying yeah i kind of had something that was halfway towards what i wanted to do and i did that and then there was another opportunity that was halfway towards what I wanted to do. There was something that was halfway, you know, <clears throat> and it's been a series of half steps in between. I did not set out on this path, although I'd have to say I um, way back when I was working in that, that cancer laboratory at the Huntsman Cancer Institute, um, talking with my therapist, like, well, why don't you make a list of, of the top jobs that you wanted? And it was a ridiculous list. It was like, Oh, I'd love to work on a children's show and I'd love to make puppets and I'd love to own a toy company and stuff. Two decades later, I've done each of those things now. And those weren't, I never, I didn't set each of those things with a checklist. Like, this is what I'd love to do. And opportunities come up. I'm like, hey, that's that that resonates with me. That sounds like something I'd like to do. And um, I think God cares quite a bit about our desires. You know, look at how the word desires are, are used, particularly in the Book of Mormon. God grants man according to their desires. And um, I think to some extent, he's like, hey, this is your life. You Only you get to live this life. Um, and he understands our pains. But, um, you know, some of our desires might be things that aren't, um, aren't a good or evil desire. But in my life, I want some artistry and some color. And if I can be righteous as an artist or I can be righteous as a doctor, that's, those are not religious binaries. There's not a yes or no on those. Um, but he cares about how I be that person, you know. That's cool. So over, over time, over our whole lives, I guess, and eternity, we're kind of refining into this a sharper tool than we began as, I guess, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, but I like to think like not just a, a sharper tool, it's a sharper us. Yeah, of course. A version of us, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember one of my friends was talking about, it's like, oh, you know, a 14-year-old could see me, he'd be so disappointed. And I was like, well, why are you going to let a 14-year-old tell you what you what you should do? <laughs> yeah. Even if it is you, like, that kid didn't know anything. And um, I think there's certain parts of my life that, that 14 year old me would be very excited about other things that he wouldn't understand, but that's okay. He, you know, I wouldn't want a 14 year old running my life. Um, yeah. So, um, and I think uh, our creator doesn't want to run our lives. Uh, he wants us think about, you know, doctrine covenants about what it says about being anxiously engaged in a good cause and being free agents. Like, that's not just in reference to your church calling. It's your life, you know, go about doing good things. Why are you doing a podcast? I, yeah. I mean, for me, it's because I just want to kind of create value. I like, I don't know that I'll ever make any money off of this or anything. Right. But, but for me, it's uh, I'm making the podcast that I would want to listen to. And mm-hmm. so every one of these conversations that I have is with people that I admire and respect 
and I get to have a spiritual conversation with them. And it's incredible. And it gives me a lot of good ideas. And since I, I already have other ideas, things that I, I want to do, right? My own kind of little list like that of what I would love to do. Every time I talk to, to people like you, I get more ideas and sharper inspiration. And, and I just feel inspired. Like I just feel happy and more motivated to do what I want to do. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and I, I have to say this, that in the path to doing what you want to do is a lot of doing what you don't want to do yeah. on the way to get there, you know, on the road. There's a lot of stuff that was not what I anticipated. And there's a lot of stuff that went very poorly before things went well, you know. And I have to say that looking back in my life, in my successes and in my disappointments, God was involved. Um, and he may not have been the cause of the success or the disappointment, but he was involved. Um, and I think ultimately it doesn't matter that much. I like to think that I've been given great things um, and had so many of my uh, dreams come true. There's also been decades when I felt like, how come the thing I want most, I can't get, you know? I, I got married at 39, which in our community is, is pretty rare. I came back from the mission, like, I'm going to get married now, you know, and, and I was trying for two decades really hard. Just ask the girls I dated, you know, I was uh, uh, probably making a fool of myself, probably made some mistakes along the way, but that was a source of, of sadness, you know, like, this is the thing that, you know, in our faith, in our culture that we want is an eternal family and, and, and I worked hard for it and I thought I was valiant and I thought I was doing everything right and, and culturally, I think sometimes we look at men that aren't married yet and we think, oh, they, you know, wish they just buck up and do this right. And then, but we feel bad for the girls. I'm like, I thought I was doing everything right. And I actually had a chance once to talk with Elder Perry. And this maybe influenced my philosophy a little bit. And I was like, it seems like who we marry is this really important thing. But the scriptures seem to be really silent on how we date and how we find our companion other than like one scripture about being equally yoked. There's not a whole lot of advice there. And he said, well, have you thought that maybe he doesn't care that much about how you do it? Um, or have you thought that maybe it's all, it's up to you, you know, and who we choose and who we end up with is one of our first eternal decisions. That's up to us. I don't think God has picked, picked my wife for me. I prayed about it. I wanted some confirmation, but I think it was like, it's your eternity. <laughs> Who do you want to be with? Who do you want to spend forever with? Um, and as we pray, I think there's the confirmation that can come is like, yeah, this is a wise decision. You've thought things through, you've made a good decision, but it's not that, that she is the one, you know, but you can have a confirmation to your decision. But I think the decision is ultimately ours to make. feel like that gives like if you took it the wrong way you'd think oh god's not interested but really what it is is that he respects us so much that he respects our our choices right as like a hey like i want you to to choose what what you want right so that's that's really interesting but i i'd like to dig a little deeper on that if you don't mind like how how did you end up finding your wife like how did that go? That must have been, I mean, when you, went, the older you it, get in our culture, it's. It went very poorly. Um, <laughs> um, but let me just, I'll, I'm going to tell you the story, but I'm going to come back to it and say like, you know, my son, nothing makes me happier than my son. And when your father, you learn like about that. And ironically, he's the kid at recess that wants to go out and play football. And I wouldn't want to make him sit home and draw ninjas if that's not what he wants to do. Um, and I want him to have as much success outside. He actually likes to run more than he likes football, but I was going back to my earlier, you know, and that makes me happy. And you think about the phrase, this is my work and my glory. At Christmas, we were at my mother-in-law's and she just had all of her grandkids around and wrestling and playing with them. And it was just this big noisy mess. My wife said, look at my mom and all her glory. I'm like, that's what that term means. Like it's, it's not quite happiness, but it's something else when your happiness is magnified by 
the people that you love having their happiness, you know, and it's, it's something really unique. Um, and I think the whole time, I think God was rooting for me. I think there's a couple of people that I probably could have married along the way and pulled the plug. Maybe I wasn't right yet. Maybe I wasn't in the right place. Uh, I met my wife first online. My dad talked me into dating online. I'm like, I work online. I don't want to date online. And after the argument, I'm like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna try all the dating sites. And I did them all like this. And I went hard. I went like, you know, match, harmony, chemistry, plenty of fish, all of the this is pretender. And after two months, it was just soul crushing. I'm like, I'm not gonna do this. It turned it into work. And but I had messaged who's now my wife and messaged back, but we had never decided to date. But I mean, we hadn't made that decision. I just didn't ask her out. We talked a little bit and I, you know, but then I was visiting, a, uh, uh, I'd gotten the boot to the family wards and I thought, well, I'll go visit a single ward once in a while. And I went and she was standing in the front handing out programs and I recognized her and very suavely used this line. I'm like, I think we've met before on the internet. And that just creeped her right out. And she's like, no, no, like didn't even, like didn't even play around. She's like, no, I don't think so. And just turned like cold shouldered me and oh, greeted yeah. everybody else warmly that came to church. Um, I was like, oh, I blew it. And I sat in the back of the church, watched her kind of laugh as people came in and smile. Like, ah, that is a sunny, I really blew it, but I would love to be with somebody that has that kind of a disposition and makes people feel that comfortable and just it was kind of an impression um I ran into her in the parking lot and I was embarrassed but she's like oh you know I'm sorry I do remember you later she told me he's like but you looked so much <coughs> older in your pictures because you had a gray in your beard oh. I, thought, I didn't want to date a guy that old but we said she decided that she would go out with me so we went out on a date and then I think we went on out twice and she was like, I'm just out of a relationship. And so we like broke up. I mean, we didn't really break up. We used to date, I dated somebody else. And dating that other person was a really great preparation for um, being ready to date her. And she was finally ready to date me. And, um, you know, and then we dated for two more years and then got married and, you know. So sometimes it's a lot of the wanting something and not getting it that really prepares you. Cause it turns out being married is also a little bit hard and difficult, but having waited for it for two decades um, makes me a lot more willing to put in work that I maybe had not, was too young and foolish to put in previously, um, to work on myself a little bit, to listen to um, input on how I can improve and, and, and be a better man, um, uh, not just for her, but to realize that my happiness is not just connected to my own happiness it is connected to other people's happiness and and there's some there's some deep truths there yeah and those are things that you probably wouldn't have learned otherwise right so yeah. it is like it's sometimes it's so frustrating like the way that life unfolds and it's just like man god like i thought you're on my side but then like eventually 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 even if it takes two decades you're like all right well yeah. that was great thanks <laughs> we'll find looking back that he is on our side just cheering his heart out you know and when he sees us go down he knows just like that bird like he can't pull the shell off he's like come on get up i know you can do it but he needs like we need to get up because what we find in ourselves when we get up you know, what we find in ourselves when we take that next step, um, because he, what he's about is not about our arrival. He's about our becoming, you know, and so he's cheering for us. He's like, I know this thing about yourself. You don't even know yet, but you need to learn this about yourself in the process. So, wow, man. So now, I don't know, this is a weird question that I haven't asked before in an interview, but at this point, like where are things headed now for you? What's it looking like going forward? You know, I've got next week figured out, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm living my best life right now. I think my friends will tell you that, that seeming like you seem happier than you've been in a long time. 
like you seem like you're that's what they say to me and i'm like yeah like he's gonna saying things like i was <coughs> i was abject and despondent a decade ago you know I'm like the thing that should be my greatest source of joy is my greatest source of pain i've had periods professionally that were not going well currently i love running and being a part of creatively like we just have this great team i've got great partners um that it just makes me feel like the we is so much greater than me and so i've got myself surrounded by these great people the companies that were growing are exciting and they grow really fast but being a part of this agency is really fun because we get to play with big ideas all the time like ask big what if well, what if we did this what if we had unicorns what if we blew up this thing what if we you know what if we had a monkey on set? And those are things that we've done in the last three weeks, you know? Um, and I get to do that and play with big ideas. And I surround myself with really funny and, and smart writers and really talented video editors that, uh, and, and I get to see an idea and somebody takes it and the next guy runs with it and the next woman takes it and adds something else to it and see that come to life. That's exciting. And then watching it grow a business. Um, <clears throat> But I think I've also been humbled by the idea that I'm supposed to be learning something here. I wanted to just be a writer and it was fun just telling jokes for a while. And now I need to step up and learn a little bit about working with people and managing people. And, and it's fun to be a writer, but it's, it's maybe a little less fun, but it's really fulfilling to work with a team of writers and trying to help them become better writers and better at what they do and helping other people um, achieve the fullness of their creation and finding, helping people see their talents is really exciting and fun and fulfilling, you know? And I think that's ultimately the responsibility that you have. I don't know why God wants me growing this business right now. <clears throat> and maybe he didn't have a plan, but I, he certainly wants me to learn things in life. And I think it's okay. You can do certain things. Now, how can you get other people to do things together and how can we work together? Because the other thing I think we believe as Latter-day Saints is in the communities that we build, you know, as we talk about the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, those are communities. Those are not singular things, you know, but the same sociality that exists among us here will exist in the hereafter. So he cares about how we uh, build communities, take care of each other and treat each other. How have you been able to start doing that then to help other people to recognize the, the fullness of their creation? How have you helped other people to recognize their talents? Because it seems like a hard task. Yeah, I mean, ultimately it's up to them mm -hmm. uh, what they do. Um, the hard part is probably not telling people what to do. It's in taking interest in people and asking them questions about what they want and asking them, are you sure? But I think, I think we can do a great service to each other when we point out each other's strengths. I think that's one of the great ways we can serve people is everybody is insecure about what they're doing. And when you point out like, oh, hey, I noticed the way you talked to that person, that was really great. Like I noticed that you came here to do this job, but while you're here, you're really, we have our COO right now is such an awesome guy, Corey Boca. He came here as an editor and wanted to be a, a cinematographer but he is one of the best managers I've ever worked with. He's so good at building other people up and building systems and letting them take things and run with them. And now he's the COO, you know, and, and he's running operations uh, for multiple companies right now. And um, it's fun seeing him do that. But then, you know, and, and so it's through a culture, I think, where you spend time talking with people and maybe, you know, in this podcast, I'm doing a lot of talking, but I think it's, I think the secret is spending a lot of time listening to people, but then giving them some qualified feedback, you know, for everybody that wants to be an astronaut or an NBA star, they might find like, hey, I noticed that you're really good at following up with people. And you might do really well in account management and you've got, or you've got really great taste that isn't and you're not too um, full of yourself, you might be a great creative director. Um, let's try something. So I, I think there's the listening part and there's a nudging part. And then something else I believe in is trying to give people opportunities 
because in those opportunities, you kind of realize like, oh, this wasn't as fun as I thought it would be, or I had no idea that this would be so great and so fulfilling. This was way harder than I thought it would be, but it feels great doing it, you know? And um, <clears throat> I think that's a lot of what life is, is trying some new things and um, trying, especially while you're at college, trying as much as you can, um, you know, not just through your classes. Um, I find that all the people that I worked on film with were all the people that were working on each other's side projects, not our student projects, but like on our weekends, we're gonna go out and shoot this documentary about demolition derbies and my buddy shooting this thing up in Idaho and, and working on things um, keeps you moving forward. Now don't get me wrong, I also love to take a break and not do things too. Um, but after I left my first business partnership, uh, my first partner bought me out. We kind of decided to go separate ways. Still good friends. I had a little bit of money, not a lot, but it allowed me not to have to work for a few months. And I was miserable for those few months. Like as much as I love sleeping in and watching movies and reading books and doing nothing, you will not be happy doing that, you know? <clears throat> and as much as when you're, when you're working too much, you feel like that's what you want to do, that that's not going to make your life very good. You're going to be miserable. And, it, you know, by the sweat of our brow, um, it really does make a difference to, to eat a meal after you've earned it. Um, and um, not that we really earn any of our meals, you know, they're all kind of a gift, but it makes a difference after our, a meal after a long, hard day of work definitely tastes better. And I think that that's a metaphor for a lot of things in our life. Yeah. That is really cool. This idea of hard work kind of builds a foundation for happiness because that's kind of how I view like retirement, right? Like you're like, yeah, a few months of that. Imagine like the last 20 years of your life, just sitting there and doing nothing. So I'm like, man, if I ever retire, I need to like do something with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think my dad is not enjoying, he worked 80 hours a week as a surgeon and was able to serve as a mission president and, and retirement has been a little bit of a challenge. I mean, he was able to catch up on some reading and some naps, but I think he likes much more being busy and having something to do. My grandfather passed away probably around 97. He was a rancher and he'd still go out and change water into his nineties, you know, out shoveling, moving earth. And I think that's why he lived so long because he was, he had something to do. And I don't think the something to do needs to define you. Um, but it's in the doing stuff that we learn a lot about ourselves and the world and other people. And that is awesome. It's back to that same principle, right? We got to be moving. The, yeah. the more we're moving, the more we can help other people. And as we help other people, we kind of refine ourselves too as we're helping them to be refined. Yeah. And you know, the, that early period when you asked me about like the medical school and figuring out what I was going to do. Yeah. I was paralyzed by indecision for a long time and couldn't, couldn't, I'm like, well, I needed to figure out, and this might've been what plagued me in dating, like trying to figure out like on the first date, how our family was going to look or, you know, starting a career and knowing what the end of that career path was. And, uh, my mom used to say, well, Damien, you just need to be about doing what you need to be about doing. And what she was saying is you just need to start doing something and that something will lead to something else. You know, my biggest successes have come at the gate of a failure. You know, I, after I had that worked on that first homie spot with my um, cousin, uh, who's now Harmon brothers, they're a great agency. And um, I decided I was going to start my own agency didn't work out. And I was convinced I had that fiery burning passion, almost a conviction and a manifestation that this is what I should be doing with my life was running this agency. And, and that didn't even last a year and had a couple hard Christmases, you know, and it turns out I was supposed to be doing that, but not on my own. I was supposed to be doing it with other people and I didn't need to be the hero. I wanted to be a supporting character and like learn that epiphany was huge for me realize like oh by supporting others i'm going to get more of what i want by helping others achieve their goals 
actually is what's going to get me my goals. Um, but trying to do everything out myself, it's kind of ironic. It didn't really work. Yeah. Man, that's hard to, it's hard to do. It's hard. It's hard to, to let go of that. Other people instead of yourself. Well, it's, it's also hard to let go of like, well, I want this, so I need to do X, Y, Z. Exactly. Yeah. Because we want to see things as a, like it's a mathematical equation. Right. We want to see, these are the inputs and I'll get these outputs. And I've just learned we don't have control of the outputs, but we do have control of our inputs. So I'm like, you know, I remember a point when I was dating and I was like, it's just not worth it anymore. It's just, I want to take a break. But there's like, but what are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to go on another day. You know, it's going to be miserable. It's not going to work. It's, I'm going to get tired. I, you know, I'm going to go on a date with somebody that doesn't like me or I don't like her. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I decide to put the other foot forward, you know, and the most important decision that you make is not what career field you're going to go into. It's in the morning. Well, am I going to put my shoes on or not? You know, I'm going to put them on and get up and, and take on this day, you know, and I think there's some scriptural um, basis to that third Nephi when it says, therefore take no thought for the morrow for sufficient is the day for the evil thereof. I don't think that means don't have a plan, but don't worry so much about tomorrow. Like, be be the best Austin today, you know, be the best Damien today, work on your plan, work it out, but be okay when tomorrow doesn't work out the way you thought, um, because it eventually will. Well, it, I, I don't know if it eventually will work out the way you thought, but it'll eventually work out for you. It'll work out somehow, right? <laughs> it always does. Okay, well, then I guess just one last question before we wrap up is, I always want to know, it's kind of like a, a what advice for me, right? Because I'm, I'm my own demographic that I'm targeting, but, but what kind of advice would you give to the, to the average LDS college age person? Um, I would say find your work, you know, and your work is not your passion. A lot of people like follow your passion. And I say, I kind of forget about that, but find your work, which is the work that's worth doing that all the stresses that go with it. That when you balance that out, it's like, Oh yeah, I've got to shovel all this manure, but I get to ride horses mm. and that's what I want. You know? And so some people it's riding horses, some people it's being a surgeon. And I think the only way to do that is by trying to do some things, you know, and find your work. And I think that's in, you know, being anxiously engaged in a good cause. Um, doing some things, trying as many things as we can. Um, you know, there's some people that wake up and when they're five and want to be a fireman and become firemen, that's great. But uh, I think then going with that is just like, have some patience and some gentleness with yourself um, because you might have to stumble your way into success. You might have to take a couple side steps along your way to find out what you really want and that's okay. You know, for every, everybody's talking about, you know, 30 under 30 and, and these, you know, success might not happen in the, in the first few years out of college. And I've often said that the worst thing you can give your kids is everything they ask for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Michael Jackson was probably one of the most successful musicians of all time. And it destroyed his life because he could have whatever he wanted. Um, and, and that destroyed him as a, as a human being, I think. And I think, um, I think not getting everything we want is one of the key things in, in being happy in life, uh, is not getting what you want and having to struggle a little bit for things, so. That's super interesting because then there's these two sides to it, right? If there's like God grants according to our desires, right? But at the same time, if he gives us everything we ever want, we're going to become spoiled, rotten brats, right? So he's got this balance because we know he's the best dad ever. Yeah. And so he's, he's giving us like what we want, but sometimes we don't. You know, some people, <laughs> some people that grow up in the church, they're like, oh, I missed out on all the partying and the drinking and all that fun stuff. And so they go out and do that for a few years. And then they find out what they meant. Well, did they really miss out or not? And 
you know, repentance is, like I said, it's not the backup plan, like President Nelson said, it is the plan. And, and if that's what you desire, you can go have that, but you can't have everything, you know? And you realize like, oh, if I get this, I'm gonna have to give up that and that. And so there's multiple ways to learn. And I think uh, learning what your desires are and what, what you truly desire um, is a big part of it, you know? Like, what do you really want? Um, and what what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? So in, in the movie Citizen Kane, like one of the first major great films, there's a quote when they're interviewing people about this man, it's like, well, he's like, well, it wasn't much of a man. He said, well, he had a lot of money. He's like, well, it's not hard to have a lot of money if that's all you want to do. I think about that a lot. Well, what, what do you want? What are you willing to give up? If you want business success, will you sacrifice X, Y, and Z for it? Will you sacrifice a healthy relationship with your children? Will you sacrifice? And for me, all of the success of the last four years has just been gravy because what I wanted was a wife and children. And I like that I have a job that I get to do what I enjoy doing, um, but that's gravy, you know? And I like that I, I get, I'm still involved in the church in a meaningful way and I get to serve there and I like those relationships. And I, you know, I have, I live in a community that I like and get a, am challenged uh, intellectually and emotionally. And I like those things. Um, but all the other successes are just the gravy. Because you know? my desires, my desires wasn't ever, I want, I really want to, even though it was on my list, like I want to own a toy company, like that wasn't my desire. My desire was to have a life that I, that I enjoyed and people that I loved coming home to. And as much as I write jokes, nobody makes me laugh. As, and I work with some of the funniest people in the world. Nobody makes me laugh as much as my 18 year old or 18 month old child with sound effects you know and how he reacts to things and that's ultimately what i wanted and, and so i think that's the other part of the advice is is learn your desires learn like well what do you really want in life and then you have to start realizing that everything that you want less than that might be sacrificed thanks for listening to faith hope and prosperity hosted by austin green find and follow us on instagram facebook YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.